Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible on how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, brave parents. Kelly and Chelsea here on a Wednesday, and that means it's time to look at some recent news headlines and tackle it with our biblical worldview. So I'm going to be super honest. When you shared this article with me, what was it last week? It was something I did not want to touch with a 12-foot pole. It's just like the bottom of the barrel awful. So for our listeners, if you have kids around, you might want to hit the pause button and then come back when young ears just aren't around because it's pretty awful. It's true. It's not one of our positive news headlines, but it's essential. It's essential. Today, we're going to be talking about headlines that surround child sex abuse material. Sometimes they call that child pornography, but now we have this new term of child sex abuse material. Um, It's come up in the past week, and while I am sure all of us wish that we could just simply bury our heads in the sand and act like none of this exists, we cannot do that because it does exist, and it is real, and it is a threat to our children who use the internet any child on the internet. Unfortunately, you're right. On one hand, like I am glad that these stories have surfaced so that actions can be put in place to protect children and then guilty adults can be held responsible. But honestly, it really just begins with us as parents. It's so true. And a lot of us get caught off guard by those seemingly benign places that are actually very dark and have nefarious operations on the internet. Last year, we were shocked, for instance, that the National Center on Sexual Exploitation put Etsy, you know, Etsy, like the crafts and homemade entrepreneurial goods, you know, website. They put Etsy as number two on their Dirty Dozen list. And the Dirty Dozen list is this list of 12 companies or organizations that are the worst perpetrators of child sex, sexual exploitation. Remind me why Etsy was number two. So... Etsy is hosting child sex doll creators. In fact, it's so creepy. Like one of the creators said that if you were just to send him a picture of a child, he could make a doll look like that picture. So creepy, right? So what the headlines that we're going to talk about today is kind of like one of those companies, Etsy, where you wouldn't imagine that something evil and disgusting is lurking behind this facade of crafts, color, and imagination. So today's headline reads, men on Pinterest are creating sex-themed image boards of little girls. The platform makes it easy. So this came out, it was an NBC article, and it came out on March 9th. So what happened as the article discusses, kind of break this down a little bit, is the mother of a nine-year-old girl decided to allow her daughter to have a Pinterest account instead of TikTok. Okay, we're going to pause right there. That's... (laughs) This is a compromise that a lot of parents would make because if you held the two up, it would seem as though that Pinterest on the surface would be less troublesome and just more benign. Choosing the lesser of two evils, right? Like if you would ask me four or five years ago if I would allow my kid to have Pinterest or which one I would choose, I guess is probably the better question to ask is, yeah, I would absolutely have chosen Pinterest over TikTok because it does. It does appear to be more benign. It's crafts. It's boards of how to redo your bathroom, right? Like it just doesn't have that same sort of uh, reputation like TikTok does. Although, so it does seem like a no-brainer, 
but not was all that it had seemed. In this past February, last month, the mom logged in to her daughter's account after a year of not checking it. Pause again. <laughs> we don't recommend that. That is not a good idea. So I'm not sure if the daughter was nine when she got the account and now here she's 10, the mom is checking it, or if she was eight and now she's nine, that I'm not sure. But she logged in and found that her daughter had 400 followers. And the inbox in Pinterest was full of messages from grown men who had sent her lewd and disgusting comments. I just, that's just so disgusting, Kelly. So another thing we need to notice in this article, another kind of like mistake the mom made was actually to allow her daughter to upload pictures of herself. And it was really kind of like innocent pictures doing cartwheels. Um, it, it wasn't anything that was suggestive in any way, shape or form. But what seemed totally innocent to them was actually fodder for pedophiles. And that's the reality. That's the sad and scary reality that we now face, which brings us and probably prompted this other headline, which then came out on Saturday, March 11th by USA Today. And its headline reads, child sex abuse content is exploding online. We're losing the fight against it. So this headline, um, it's obvious, like what clickbait, right? Oh my gosh, this seems really crazy. So it goes on to talk about uh, not only the Pinterest, but it says the mayor of College Park, Maryland, was arrested and charged last week with 56 counts of possession and distribution of child sex abuse material. The article says that authorities say that he uploaded a variety of images depicting child sex abuse to a social media account. The article states that news stories like this are indicative of a larger and long-running pattern. Okay, pause. Brave Parenting, you know, has been, yes, this is what we're saying. This is a larger and long-running pattern, and it's with all social media. It's with the internet. It, it, it's just out there, which is why, you know, we're sort of waving the flag saying we need to wake up and pay attention to what our kids are doing online because this is a long-running pattern. The article says that online sexual predators often act with impunity, emboldened by power, anonymity, or the knowledge that law enforcement and tech platforms will struggle to hold them accountable. I can't even. Yeah. So it says to protect millions of children, that must change. Yes, absolutely. We emphatically agree. Yeah, that must change. But as brave parents, we must acknowledge the change begins with us, with parents. Listen, we can hope and we can dream of a world where the internet moguls and the tech giants, like, right, they would all act as like God honoring and they would be super moral. But that's just not going to happen overnight. It's probably not going to happen in our lifetime. But truth be told, it's probably not going to happen ever. So before we get into any more details, let's kind of work out our biblical worldview. How can, how can a biblical worldview contribute to the change that's needed? Because overall, parents play an important role, a vital role, a crucial role in whether or not their child innocently contributes to the problem. What could have helped this mom like, make a different decision coming from a biblical worldview perspective? Because as I said earlier, I can almost guarantee that I would have made the same mistake. Yeah. So I say, looking at this with our biblical worldview, the first principle 
biblical principle that we must acknowledge is the sinfulness of mankind, the fallenness that we all experience. This is, you know, straight from Genesis. This is right in the beginning. It's Adam and Eve choosing what the flesh desired instead of what God had told them to do and had given them promises for. So if we ask the question, what in the world is wrong here? Sin. Sin is what's wrong with the world, okay? So we cannot trust that what we put on social media is going to be handled with respect and dignity because fallen and sinful men and women prowl or just live on social media. They live on the internet, whether it be one plat- you know, platform that's used for crafts or another platform that's specifically used for pornography. That is just where they are all at. And social media and the internet, it is a tool for them. It is a tool that they use to act out their sinful desires. So we think about innocent pictures of kids doing cartwheels. Well, we can, we've seen, we've talked about articles before when we did the pornography month in November of 22. We had a woman, we did a a shared a story on a woman whose pictures, innocent pictures were used online for deep fake pornography. So nothing is really safe, not the pictures of our kids and not the pictures of just us that we may post of ourselves on the internet. If we believe this biblical principle that humans are fallen and corrupted, then we must then take that and apply it to the fact that we shouldn't allow children to upload pictures of themselves to any platform. Maybe that means we even disable the sending and receiving of pictures on their phones when they're young, especially, right? And we ourselves, parents, we must substantially limit how much pictures we are uploading to platforms. Like this is a hard one for parents. A lot of parents do not want to acknowledge this, but even the pictures you, mom and dad, are putting up of your kids can be used as fodder for pedophiles. It's sad and disgusting, but it's the truth. Yeah. Honestly, like when, when I, <clears throat> excuse me, talk to people about some of the, um, the standards that we've set in Brave Parenting, that's actually the one I get a ton of pushback on because parents feel pressure from other family members there's like a demand from other family members that they have to upload pictures in order for the kids to be seen, right? To like share lives with each other. And here's the deal. I'm totally guilty of this. But within the past few years, I have stopped caving to the fear of man. And my husband and I got creative. We realized that we could share a photo album on our Apple phones with our family members. So the grandparents get uploaded pictures on the photo stream. And we don't have to upload them to social media. So it's a total win-win. I've also, over the past year, been deleting all of my social media photos. I just checked online. I Googled my kids' names to find out to see if they had like a, any sort of like social media or any sort of online presence. And thankfully, I couldn't find any pictures of them. But we have to be so cognizant of the evil that is lurking out there, right? We have to be totally, totally on guard. So Kel, that biblical principle just, it covers the kinds of people, right, that are on these sites. But what about biblical decision-making principles? How does a biblical worldview inform how we make our decisions? Because again, this article is super relatable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm glad you asked because (laughs) when a parent is considering whether or not their child should or can participate in any sort of media consumption. And that can honestly be anything from the music they're listening to, 
the shows they're watching, the movies they see, or anything on the internet. The first thing they should really consider is their child's salvation. Are they saved? Until they have the Holy Spirit, when they give their life to Christ, they are controlled by the flesh. Their flesh is going to dictate what it is that they do. Jesus says that everything that makes a man unclean comes from within, right? That's our sinfulness. That comes from Mark 7, 22. And we know so much of media and entertainment, it appeals to our flesh. And a child or any person who is without the Holy Spirit really has no help in resisting what is out there. That is why the algorithm and the scroll, you just get so sucked in. It's hard to resist that you don't have that self-control that comes from the Holy Spirit. Therefore, so if you're a parent who is saved, you have the Holy Spirit, you must use that then to make decisions to preserve, protect, and promote holiness. Because it's not just going to come naturally. Knowing the devil prowls like a lion, literally looking for someone to devour. That's 1 Peter 5.8. Comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Knowing this, parents must remain alert and sober-minded, humbled and aware of the reality that is the sinfulness of man on the internet, and then make decisions accordingly. That may not make your children happy. Those decisions may not make you the most favorite parent on earth. But would you rather be disliked by your child for a short amount of time or their pictures being used by pedophiles? You know, when you said the Mark 7, 22 through, through 23, those verses made me think like it's kind of like a tea bag that has all of the tea leaves inside of it. And then you put it in hot water and right, all of the tea like starts to leach out. Well, we have like all of that sinful sort of like tea leaves inside of us. But the only thing that has to happen is we get put in a situation or any sort of temptation and then it just leaches out because it's just already pre-programmed in there. That is, we're fallen, we're corrupt. But another biblical principle that we could apply is to test everything. We see this in 1 John verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Just because something feels safe or it appears to be benign, test that spirit. Test what you believe about a platform's safety by researching the parental controls that are offered. Our hearts can steer us wrong, and we shouldn't necessarily believe everything that we feel is true. And in the same vein of testing things, when our kids ask for media and technology, be patient with your answer. Test yourself. Ask yourself why you'd be leaning towards allowing it. Do I want my kids to be liked and not feel left out? Are other parents doing it? Um, it seems okay. Do I wish that I had more time to myself? And well, this would totally entertain them, right? Not all of our intentions and motivations are good. And we have to test ourselves and be self-reflective when it comes to media and technology. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times when my kids were younger, I mean, we're talking like maybe six, seven years ago when I had them all like middle school and younger. I would just say, I got to pray about that. When we talk about media and technology, I got to pray about yeah. that. I have to pray about that. I'm going to take a little bit of time, you know, and take it before the Lord. Just because the easy answer your flesh wants to give when your kid wants something is yes. Because we just want to make them happy. <laughs> I mean, whether, we, whether it's right or wrong, we, we want our kids to delight and, and be happy with what it is that they want. And, you know, everybody, everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. Right. No, it's true. 
and it's we're exhausted so it seems like a win-win they'd be happy and i would get some relaxation because they'd be entertained but it's not a win-win it is a lose-lose by god's standard that's absolutely right okay so to summarize before we move on with these headlines so to summarize our biblical worldview surrounding this first we recognize the sinfulness of mankind and that ultimately sin reigns on the internet second we consider our child's salvation do they have the Holy Spirit to help them resist fleshly desires within the media? And if not, then that is our job. That is our job to do that for them. And finally, as parents, we must test everything, knowing that our hearts can steer us wrong, knowing that we can't assume that everything is holy and good online. Even if it looks benign and it seems okay, we really need to test everything. And that may take work on our part. That may take time on our part. So returning to our headlines, because it, it really is essential for us to understand the scope of this problem so that we can be motivated to do the hard work of waiting and limiting. In that same USA Today article, it states, the FBI reports that digital child sex abuse material is so voluminous, the agency must prioritize images involving infants and toddlers. I don't think disturbing and gut-wrenching accurately describe the feelings I have in my stomach right now, but that's the best that we've got in our language. But I know, how, like, how on earth did we get to such a debased humanity? Like, like we ask ourselves, like, how did this happen? Why are we here? Well, it's, it's sin, but also it's the reality of how these tech companies operate. Right, Kel? Yeah, that's right. So just so you know, so everybody knows, here's how it works. The federal law requires tech companies to report abusive material if they find it. But companies have no obligation to actively search their platforms. So if someone else finds it, so if I find it and I report it, then they're required by law to take it down. But if I don't ever find it. So it says, the article says that some social media companies employ specialist in-house teams to root out the illegal material, but overall, tracking and reporting is uneven. Obviously, this is the case in Pinterest. And this Pinterest article really sparked something because another article came out on March 14th, 2023, uh, stating that sent, this is from um, also USA Today. Oh, no, excuse me. NBC News. Senators seek answers from Pinterest after NBC News investigation. So two senators, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee and Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut, they sent a letter to Pinterest on Tuesday morning demanding to know why the new tools that Pinterest rolled out after the national media coverage of the men creating boards of child sex abuse material weren't already available. Good questions. Why was this not available? So they're, what they're referring to is that Pinterest response to this NBC News investigation. Basically, they came out and said, quote, they have dramatically increased their number of human content moderators and added two new features allowing users to report content or accounts for violating behaviors. So the Pinterest spokesperson, Crystal Espinosa, said, uh, based on this article, that the platform has implemented sweeping changes over the past few days. The company has also taken immediate, broad, and aggressive action to deactivate thousands of bad actors and anyone engaging in content in inappropriate ways. 
she said in a statement. So now she also declined to give more specifics, saying that the company doesn't disclose details surrounding its trust and safety mechanisms so that to prevent individuals from circumventing those systems. So not sharing details. Uh, Espinosa previously told NBC News that the company would also introduce a new age verification measure at a later date. Just so we know, Pinterest does require users to be 13 years old. However, as with many social media sites, as we have stated, many younger children are on these platforms. Pinterest itself has 450 million users. So we have young children on Pinterest thinking it's benign mingled in with another 450 million users who could be, apparently are, also creepy men creating boards of child sex abuse material. I have so many thoughts, Kelly, and so many opinions right now. So let's go back to the mom of the nine-year-old girl. I am assuming she deleted her Pinterest account? Yeah, so the article did state that she did delete the account, um, although her picture is still appearing in thumbnails. And in the algorithm, even though the account was deactivated, according to the article. So there's that bit of information. You can delete the account or you can deactivate the account. It doesn't mean that all those pictures go away. Sometimes that takes a lot of work to actually get the company to fully delete all of those photos for good. And sadly, so much of this goes back to the very, very powerful algorithm. You know, the article itself states, that uh, in regard to the, the kids on there, as they're algorithmically prodded into the spotlight, the algorithm is prodding them into the spotlight. So they might have went into the platform with altruistic ambitions of creating or you know drawing, art, whatever it is. I mean, there could be a million different creative interests as to why you would get on Pinterest. But they are algorithmically prodded into the spotlight. And when they're prodded into the spotlight, they're attracting hundreds or even thousands of followers because the algorithm is putting them there. Even though they may only have a small number of people themselves that, are, that they're following. So some girls get really excited by the level of attention they're receiving when the algorithm puts them into the spotlight. So I, this cannot be understated like anymore. Like it is so, so important to recognize that when we talk about social media platforms and the algorithm promoting fame, this is exactly what it does. It just puts, puts you into the spotlight just enough that it gives you this feeling, this flesh feeling of, oh, I'm important. I'm liked. I'm seen. I'm recognized. You know, all of these feelings. And they get excited. You know that psalm that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's the antithesis. The algorithm isn't the antithesis of that. It's taste and see that the fame is good. Taste and see that the recognition is good. It's got its own gospel. Like we have to understand that. It is appealing to our flesh and it appeals to the very thing we were created to do and that's to worship. And we end up worshiping ourselves. It's like an invitation. It's like stand on this pedestal and others will worship you. Just come on, you know, grab my hand. Come on up. Just come on to this. Come on to this platform. Amazing how they use that word. Come on to this platform, this pedestal. You'll be high and lifted up and others will, will worship you. Others will recognize you. This was 
all confirmed by NBC News as they conducted their own investigation. So the team at NBC, they visited several profiles owned by young girls and they scrolled through 100 consecutive videos offered in the watch tab. So this is just kind of like the short little videos that you can put on there. And within a short amount of time, Pinterest algorithm started recommending content that was full of minors and labeled like, quote, girls in bathing suits or young girl leg pics. Folks, we cannot escape the algorithm. We just can't, can we, Kelly? No, we can't. We can't. It's just, it's such, such an important aspect of this. And as Christians, we have to understand the algorithm chooses the content we see. It is not always up to us. You can't just assume, oh, no, my child is good. You know, or even they're saved. They've got the Holy Spirit. I mean, we have to acknowledge, too, that sometimes that's not even enough because you're not choosing all the time what content you see. And these contents aren't neutral. And they're certainly not pursuing holiness. As we've said before, the program, the algorithm is programmed for maximum engagement. And the only way to achieve maximum engagement is to push content that appeals to our flesh, that appeals to the desire to be seen, that prods you into the spotlight, that invites you up onto the pedestal. I am just imagining, you know, like a cattle farmer when he goes to like put his cows in the middle of the ring for like people to um to bid on them and he prods them and pushes them forward. I just see this image of kids and it's so disturbing in my mind. Essentially, parents, what it boils down to is the best thing that we can do for our kids is to wait and limit. And waiting is a biblical principle. Listen, we're not always given what we want by God because he knows what is good for us and when it's right to receive what he has for us. And that same principle can apply to our children and the way we parent. We can invite our kids into that biblical principle by saying, yes, you can have social media, but not right now. And while we wait with them, we train them in righteousness. Frankly, part of training them in righteousness, I believe, is also training them to understand how the internet and the algorithms work, as well as these social media companies, they don't care about them. I, I hate to say it so crassly, but children have to understand that is very much a tool the devil uses to appeal um, and satisfy their sinful, fleshly desires. Now, whether that is being innocently entertained and inspired, which is usually the motivation for Pinterest, right? Or whether that is just like legitimately exploiting children. Sin is sin. And training our children in righteousness is recognizing sin for what it is and where it is. Oh, yeah, 100%. And let me make the point once again. 13 is not a magical age of maturity. Maybe a century ago it was. But today, 13-year-olds are often too naive or still naive enough that they're not recognizing grooming or predation. And, and actually, that's good. I mean, I want their minds to be innocent that they're not thinking, oh, this cartwheel might be used by a pedophile. They should never be thinking that. Sadly, they can maybe take those pictures or take the video, but they don't need to be uploaded on the internet. They don't need to be put on these platforms, right? So understanding this, that even at 13, they are still highly susceptible to influence and global platforms of influence are just not the place for them. Remember, 13 is just the age that the, that the government says that these platforms, these companies can collect data. 
can they can collect data. So, but what what is data? If you think about what data is, well, it's it's data so that these algorithms can function. It's the pictures, it's the content, it's your preferences, your likes, your dislikes, it's all of that. And so if they're doing this at they're saying, okay, it's legal to do it at 13, but we're putting our eight, nine, 10 year olds on these platforms, all of that data is being used inside that algorithm. And we already know the algorithm isn't necessarily good. It's not pursuing holiness. It's pursuing maximum engagement. It's pushing people into the spotlight. I'm guessing this mom of the nine-year-old, she's not the first or last mom of a nine-year-old who was allowing their children to be on Pinterest because Pinterest has long been assumed sort of the, I think they even proclaim themselves the last positive corner of the internet. I don't think so anymore. Not Not anymore. And like so many parents, we all have our own, you know, sort of regrets about what we've allowed or think, but just bad decisions that we've made and there was some harm done. I'm sure this mom has her own regrets. And I think, I'm guessing this is the reason why she is sharing her story so that other parents can learn from her mistake. But sadly, too many parents are not, are not thinking enough through this. It definitely, maybe not through a biblical worldview. But even if you don't have a biblical worldview, we should still be really considering whether or not our children should be on these platforms under the age of 13. There's also the fact that we won't get into this. When you create an account for your child, you're lying. You have to lie. There is a lying aspect that says, oh, this child is 13. They ask the age. So you have to calculate in your mind what the year, you know, what make up a birthday to do this. Yeah, it's kind of premeditated. You know, so there's that too. So there is a, um, a lot of, of when we're teaching and training them in righteousness. Yes, we're telling them that these social media companies, they don't always have their best interests at heart. They, got, they have to know that. Yes, it can be used as a, a tool for, for sharing information and connecting with people. But at the same time, it is also, it is an entity that we must show respect to in regards to how we engage with it. And when we are training them in righteousness, part of that is like, hey, I'm not going to lie and say you're 13 when you're really 12. You know, I mean, not that 13 is, like I said, not the magical age. But I think perhaps more importantly, just considering what is gained, what is gained or what was gained by this nine-year-old having an account on the social media platform. These are important reflection questions. What did the nine-year-old gain was she there? Was she just inspired by ideas and crafts? You know, was the mother's original intention for the girl to post pictures of herself? You know, was the girl using the platform as the mother intended? That's a really good question. I kind of wonder if the mom ever intended for the little girl to post pictures, because that's something that parents really have to recognize when it comes to the internet. Kids will often use it in different ways than we assumed. I am sure that mom never considered that I'm going to go as a mom, I'm going to go take a picture of myself doing a cartwheel and upload it to Pinterest. But that's exactly how her daughter used it. And so we have to think of the context of their lives and how they're going to engage with media versus how we're going to engage with it. But as far as what did she gain? I mean, maybe a little bit of entertainment, perhaps like for a short while, this girl kind of felt like important when she posted pictures of herself, she felt seen, she felt known, um, she felt a community sort of. But these are all just fleeting feelings. This this isn't character development at all. Yeah, I think I think of Ecclesiastes when I think of these platforms and even 
and even when it comes to kids on these platforms, but ultimately, you know, this really describes the sinfulness of, of man. Ecclesiastes 2, 11 through 12, Solomon says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all my hands had done and what my toil had achieved, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Nothing was gained. And Essentially, these men, sadly, who are creating these boards of child sex abuse material, what are they doing? They are not denying themselves anything their eyes desire. They are refusing their heart no pleasure at the cost of innocent children. And that, that's the reality. And it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. You can look at it from the perspective of the men creating these pin boards, or you can look at it at, from the perspective of the child being on there. They want to be on there because they, they want to look and see creative things and get ideas. You're, but deny, when you deny yourself some of the things that, you're, that you desire, there's actually more to be gained because everything that you can achieve, like Solomon says, it's meaningless. There's nothing to be gained under the sun by denying your heart nothing it desires. This it just explains the futility of online pursuits, of sharing, posting, connection, fame. It does. I'm really caught up in that verse. And when he says, you know, I denied myself nothing that his eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. And then he says, my heart took delight in all my labor. It just speaks so clearly to the depravity of man is that most of these people are not ashamed. They're not, um, they're not, uh, they don't really care that they're using children. Their heart takes delight in it in a, in a very disgusting sort of way. Yeah. I mean, there was even, I just said in that one article, the mayor, the mayor of a town with, count, with uploading to a social media account child sex abuse material. Because his heart took delight in it. That's so, de- like, like that's, that's it. Like, that's the, so where we need to land on this is like, it is just not safe for kids to be on these platforms. And really just in the case of our children and sexual exploitation, it's more than just not gaining anything. Folks, this is about protecting our children from being the victim of someone who is not denying themselves anything that their eyes desire. We cannot emphasize this enough. Yeah. And also, there's just nothing new under the sun. If we're, if we're honest, the victimization, the exploitation of children, it was present in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago. And it's prevalent now. There is nothing new under the sun, but that doesn't make it okay. There's just new ways of doing it. And frankly, they're really easy. They're really easy. The internet makes it so, so easy. And not only just easy for it to happen, but it makes it actually really hard for them to be caught. As we stated earlier, the FBI, there's so much out there that what in the world? They can only focus on infants and toddlers? Meaning that our kindergartners, I'm sorry, you're old enough. We can't focus on you. We've got too much. What on earth? Like, that's absolutely crazy. And the fact that it's not the tech company's fault, right? It's not the people who created this platform, right? They're not responsible. Okay, so if we're going to say who is responsible, who? Who is responsible for all of this? Well, number one, yeah, we know there's the sinful people who are doing the material. Yeah, they should be held accountable. 
But guess what? They can't be found because there's too many ways to hide on the internet. So who else can be responsible? Parents can. I got to vote. Yeah, I was going to say vote. I got parents. I'll take parents for 500, Alex. Yeah. Like seriously, we're culpable. And that's the the hard pill to swallow is we're culpable. Yeah. We have to acknowledge we live in a fallen world. We have to acknowledge that as parents, it is our job to parent for holiness, not happiness. We must parent to protect our children from online dangers, not to promote themselves in online spaces, not to entertain them throughout their childhood, but to train them up in righteousness throughout their childhood. That's our job. That's our responsibility. Training them in holiness. And literally holiness, most of the time in the New Testament meant to be set apart. So you look different. You do things differently. You don't conform to the patterns of this world. But that's really hard because we are absolutely tempted to because guess what's been pre-programmed inside of us? Sin, right? Yeah. Like it's just there. But we're all going to stand accountable Absolutely. to God one day. And I, I don't want to cause or be the source reason why my kids experience trauma from, you know, being sex- online. Yeah. yeah of, of what content was either created from their innocence or whatever that may look like. We just don't even know the extent of the depravity that can occur. I would never think that I would read in an article that the FBI is only focusing on child sex abuse material of infants and toddlers. That's so shocking. I already know that I'm going to mess up enough as a parent. I've got enough things to hold me accountable to. I've got enough issues going on that um, what I can limit and withhold is not only better for me, but better for them as well. It's, it, it really is a win-win. Like just wait and limit, wait and limit. It is. Yeah. Waiting is loving. Limiting is loving. That's, that's what we need to do. So, so as we wrap up this episode, um, just want to encourage you all to always be applying that biblical worldview to every decision. It's, it's hard. It takes your own training, your own change in mindsets, but so, so valuable, not only to yourself, to your kids, to the kingdom of God. Chelsea, thank you so much for tackling this hard article (laughs) set of articles with me Mm -hmm. not fun it was awful disgusting but necessary (laughs) so end of the story your take-home homework of the day is if you have a pinterest account or if your child has a pinterest account you need to go check that you need you need to go check it so all right thanks y'all we'll be back again next week and until then go and be brave